Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host. and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. At this moment, we are coming to you from my sumptuous studio on my beautiful Las Vegas balcony here in the hottest city in America. And as you tune in, I want you to imagine some of the places you've been where you've gotten some of those most profound inspirations from sitting in on a private mastermind call. Were you at a restaurant, a coffee shop, a cigar shop? Were you at the networking function before or after the seminar? Were you sitting in an outdoor cafe? Were you in the park? Were you listening to music as you were walking through? Were you playing with your cat? Were you playing fetch with your dog? These are where some of the most powerful and profound inspirations happen. Because being away from your office surroundings opens up your brilliance and your passion. And that's what I invite you to do here today. As you take out your pad of paper and two pens and prepare for the aha moments, it'll naturally arise as you consume what's about to happen. Now, we have somebody here today who I have been trying to get on the Business Creators Radio Show for months now. He's one of the busiest men in marketing, even though he absolutely hates it. And you're going to find out about that in just a moment. And somebody who's become a very interesting friend of mine from across the pond. His name is Johnny Cooper. And I'll tell you just a little bit about him. He's a British author, piano player, international racing car driver, and business coach. And he's the founder of Johnny Hates Marketing. And yes, when I hear that name, Johnny Hates Marketing, I'm thinking of a certain song from the 80s. And it's given me everything but shattered dreams because some of what he's going to share with you today is going to make some of your dreams possibly come true. Johnny supports coaches and therapists with his client attraction blueprint blueprint program filled with eager students every month and runs the legendary Johnny Hates Marketing Facebook group, which is one hell of a place to hang out. And he does really, really hate marketing. So Johnny Cooper, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, hey, what an introduction. Do you, do you know the, the main takeaway from that uh, introduction of yours, which, by the way, is one of the best intros I've ever heard to a podcast interview. Thank you. Um, one of the main takeaways, you mentioned cigar shops. Is that still a thing? Believe People it or don't not. smoke cigars anymore, do they? Do they? Or do they? Oh, all, all about. All about. I can regularly <laughs> be found in one of the many places right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm not sure how it is. Over in the UK, I've never been to the UK, at least not yet. Although it is on my list. Well, yeah, we're a little bit, a little bit itchy about smoking. In fact, we've we've banned smoking in all public places. Uh, you, you've pretty much got to uh, hide away in your back bedroom and have a have a, <laughs> have a sly smoke these days. But yeah, wow. well, fantastic. I, I love Vegas. Actually, I've, I've been to Vegas two, three times. In fact, I. Uh, I, I lost a weekend there long before the hangover movies were, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a, that's a good, that's a good one. I love that. Thank you for sharing. So here's what we like to do here at business creators radio before we dive in. And just for our listeners, I'm going to let you know, this is going to be a downright rude and scary interview where we're mm-hmm. going to share three reasons. You'll always be a broke coach and help you get out of that and unshatter your dreams. Johnny, mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about your journey. I read off your official bio, so to speak, and it's so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. So tell us a bit about your journey. What's brought you to where you are today, where you serve business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion? Uh, Yeah, great question. I mean, I I started my entrepreneurial journey as a professional musician, and although I didn't realize it at the time, 
I was learning loads and loads of things about sales and marketing and personal branding, hustling for gigs, you know, trying to get work and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, in the nature of that profession, uh, it's a very, very sharp pyramid, if you like, with uh, at the bottom of the pyramid, you've got everybody like I was, who's, you know, trying to get get by as a musician. And uh, right. at the top of the pyramid, you, you know, you've got global names. There's very little in between. It's hard to make a, a good living as a musician. You're either broke or you're, or you're world famous, you know. So I, I gave that up in, into my 30s and decided to do something more predictable shall we say more practical and um my, my my journey into you know sales and marketing which i guess is where i am now uh started with uh, answering a, an advert in in the in the local newspaper in fact you know back in those days in the sort of uh late 80s my goodness that's a long time ago right. <laughs> newspapers newspapers are still a thing and these adverts said closers wanted one thousand pound a week I thought, oh, wow. my God, that's more than I earned last year, you know. I had no idea what a closer was, but I called the number, and this guy, this guy said, come on for an interview. And it was one of these commission-only, you know, sales things, selling, you call them in the States, kitchen remodeling. We call them yes. improvements, you know, in, in the UK. And I was just going door-to-door selling kitchens. I did really well at it. You know, I became the number one salesperson for this company in the whole of the UK, uh, 1,800 salespeople, and I was – being helicoptered in and out to underperforming branches of their business to train other people within a year, you know. So I, I really got to grips with it and found my feet, if you like. But yep. uh, my, my 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 big venture so far has been uh, in financial services, where I set up a business in the mid nineties, uh, in advising on pensions and investments and that kind of stuff. And uh, we built it up, just me and another guy, uh, two partners in the business. By two thousand three. Uh, we had 200 staff. We had eight offices around the UK. And uh, we actually did 10.2 million turnover, as in pounds, you know, r- r- real real money. <laughs> right. So I, I guess that's about $15 million, something like that. Anyway, we sold the business in 2003. And right. uh, since then, I've been on this kind of glide slope to where I am today with just falling into coaching by accident almost because people were asking me to help them with their businesses after we sold ours. Getting involved, you know, with marketing strategies, sales strategies, funding, uh, exit strategies, all that kind of stuff, and just became an accidental coach slash consultant, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and by 2015, I realised that I was, you know, not just barking up the wrong tree, but I was probably barking in the wrong forest uh, as a generalist, um, underpaid, overworked, just doing anything that anybody asked me to do in business for them, you know. So I decided just to do some learning. I pressed the big red reset button, um, fired a bunch of clients, studied with people like Frank Kern in the States. Yep. Uh, got some really, really cool insights into how the world of online marketing worked in the consultancy and coaching and therapy space and, and put this together. And by 2017, I was ready to launch and I did. Um, the name for the business, the Johnny Hates Marketing Moniker. <laughs> I can't lay any claim to it. I didn't invent that. Uh, I was on a podcast interview, not not dissimilar to yours, Adam. And uh, the host said to me, uh, so, you know, what, what what's, what's your view on, on some of this marketing that we see around us? And we were talking about some of this kind of spammy stuff, this in-your-face, hard closers, you know, <laughs> high-ticket, $10,000 miracle programs, all that kind of nonsense. And we came to the conclusion that I didn't like that. And the host just said to me, spoiler alert, folks, Johnny hates marketing. I just went, <laughs> boom, boom. Um, and I, I branded the whole business as that. We, we launched the group in late 2017. Uh, it's grown to 6,200 members now. All coaches and therapists, you know, almost to a man and woman who hate marketing as well. So it kind of resonates, doesn't it? It kind of works. So yeah. I, I hope that wasn't too rambling, but that's kind of my, my journey to date. No, no, no. That is all excellent. I, I believe the first time you showed up on my radar screen is, I, I'd have to go back and track, but I know we've been connected mm. for well nigh almost a year now, believe it or not, is yeah. I believe you, it's possible you sent me a friend request. It's also possible that you just simply invited me to the Johnny Hates Marketing Group. And either way, as soon yeah. as I saw it, I'm thinking, oh, Johnny hates marketing. Oh, 
And I instantly <laughs> heard that song in my mind that I remember from when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Well, it was it was actually a band, wasn't it? The band was called Johnny Hates Jazz. I, I, That's I right. Can't even, I can't even name the hit because they were definitely... Shattered a, Dreams. Oh, Shattered Dreams, was it? Right. Yep. There, there you go, you see. But uh, they're a British band, weren't they? Yes, they were. People, people refer to them. From time to time, people refer to them. But um, my, my dearest wish would be that Johnny X Marketing is at the front of mind uh, ahead of uh, Johnny X Jazz these days. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this is all, this is all fantastic. Uh, there is, I know we're going to have kind of a free flowing conversation here, but I know there's one thing that you wanted to ask me, uh, but when we were in the green room before we got started, in fact, you were even literally tugging on my sleeve saying, can we, can we, can we? So, uh, that I, I won't reveal, I won't reveal the photographs. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's start, let's start by defining some terms and this is a great right. way to start. What is the main reason? that most online coaches and therapists around the world are barely paying the bills from their business. Mm. Well, let's just quantify that first. I, I, I read a, a startling survey. Uh, I'm going to say it was 2018. It was when I was sort of researching the vibe for, for my community. Uh, it's one of these global consultancy firms, accountancy firms. You know, I don't know whether it was Ernst & Young or something like McKinsey. And, uh, they said, you know, people who identify themselves as life coaches or business coaches uh, around the world, their average income uh, was like 30 grand a year, uh, either in dollars if they're in the States or, you know, pounds or euros in Europe, um, two and a half grand a month, in other words. And, you know, for the amount of effort it takes to put yourself out there as a coach, you know, with some kind of experience, qualifications and learning and all that kind of stuff. That is no way to remunerate yourself, is it? It's quite a kind of sort of startling reminder that, as you've said, you know, most people are not doing so well. And don't forget that average takes into account the fact that some people are doing great, you know. Right. Whereas, so there's obviously a bunch of people bumping on the bottom who are, just treating it as an expensive hobby rather than as a business, you know. Um, so oh, yeah. I, that, 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 that's the kind of p- p- parameters, really. And, you know, it's become a mission of mine to improve the wealth of the global community of, of people who are, you know, doing this great work. Because just because you're not getting paid doesn't mean you're rubbish at it. You know, a lot of people are really good coaches, but they just don't know how to find clients. So therefore, they're not getting paid. Um, and the number one reason for that, I've got to split this into three, actually, because it's my yes. three pillars, you know. It's my three pillars of client attraction for coaches and therapists, if you like. Yes. And they are, respectively, they, these are the headlines. Number one, um, if you don't have a deep understanding of what it is you actually offer, uh, then you're not going to get anywhere at all. That, that's the fundamental. What's the, what's the big expensive problem that you solve yeah, And th- this is the antithesis of going out into the world saying, I'm a life coach. We see people saying, accredited life coach, and they put all these letters after the name. Well, the bad news there, Adam, is that no- nobody wakes up in the morning going, I think I need an accredited life coach today. Right. right? That, isn't, that isn't in anybody's vernacular, is it? So what we need to do is identify the big expensive problem that we solve. You know, if we didn't exist... Why would the world need to invent you? That's a great question, isn't it? Let's um, say, say that again, just so we capture it. Yeah. So if you're a coach and you're standing there wondering what it is you do, answer this question. If you didn't exist, why would the world need to invent you? If you didn't exist, why would the world need to invent you? That is, okay. I'm going to put that on my Parthenon right next to my question, which is what would happen if we didn't do this at all? Go ahead. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and, and if you if you are struggling to answer that question, you need to go and sit in a darkened room for a week until something comes out, right? Yes. Because to some extent, that 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 is the essence, is the foundation of a practice. Uh, you can't go out into the world unless you understand that. No one is going to be attracted by the fact that you're a hypnotherapist or a master NLP practitioner. Right. You no, know, nobody cares. That's all about you and not about them, isn't it? So what is it you bring to the world? That's the first pillar. And without that in place, that's the first reason coaches stay broke forever. Second pillar, 
is then what kind of people would benefit the most from that thing that you do? What kind of people are begging for you to approach them and say, hey, you know what, I can help? What kind of people are they? And if you start your definition of what I do and who I do it for is, well, anybody who, I can help anybody, or I help people who, you're already too vague. That's no good at all, is it? Because for people to be drawn to you, they need to feel one thing instantaneously when they see you. They need to think the following. They need to feel the following. They need to feel people like me work with Adam. People like me work with Johnny. People like me work with Sheila. If Sheila's listening, hi, Sheila. You get the idea, right? Yes. People need to feel instantly drawn to you that, yes, this is the person I've been looking for to solve my big expensive problem. So who you work with is connected very, very closely to what you do because the next question after you've defined what you do is what kind of people would benefit the most from that? And you you can supercharge that question by asking, who are the wealthiest kind of people who'd benefit from what I do? And with those first two pillars in place, you could say that's the what and the who. You're off. You're off to a flying start. At least you've got something to talk about. You've got the basis for a personal brand that you can put out into social media start a community like we did with JHM and all that kind of stuff. But the third and final pillar, the missing link, if the first two are the what and the who, the third one is how. How are you going to deliver what you do? And if your best shot at this is one-to-one sessions, then you're missing a huge trick and you're probably still going to be broke forever. Right. You know, a coaching session, Everybody knows coaching sessions cost, what, 100 bucks an hour, 150, 200 maybe? Right. 300 if you're a preeminent coach. That's no way to build a business because you're always going to be on the roller coaster, boom and bust. You might have a busy week when you see lots of people and then nobody next week. So don't do that to yourself. The third pillar of how is about productizing your services, You know, creating uh-huh. a program, a transformational program whether that's a course or a workshop or a membership community or a, a, a training session for corporates, if that's where you're playing, any of those things. But for God's sake, productize it. Call it something. Make it your own. Get some IP. Create something you can put TM next to because it's yours and nobody else's. Because otherwise, you know, if you're just selling your time by the hour, Adam, you become a commodity. People looking for, in the unlikely event, they're looking for a life coach and shopping around life coaches. What they're going to do before they buy? They're going to look at people's prices, and they're going to make they're going to make the price a very important part of the decision to work with you versus anybody else. So, race to the bottom is is no kind of race to be part of, is it? No. Um, productizing your services and creating something wonderful around what you actually do. And my program is called the Client Attraction Blueprint. And it has been so since March 2018 when we launched it, just celebrating the fourth anniversary. We've had a sold out monthly intake of that program every month since March 2018 without fail. And that's what happens when you productize your services, when you decide to deliver something instead of just an idea, just an idea of working with you. People buy products much more than they buy ideas. So those are the three pillars. And if you're missing any of those, you're probably going to be broke forever or you're going to be struggling, you know, to make a a viable business out of it. Get clear on what it is you do, who it's for, and how you're going to deliver it. And with those pillars in place, you can can build a business from there. Who knows where you'll end up. That's fantastic. And it's brought up a couple questions with me. And listeners to my show know that I often will share stories about things that have happened either to me or to friends of mine or their interactions that have happened. So this reminds me of my friend who has been a coach for as long as I've known her. And I've known her since 2006. And she was already established even before that. And she told me about an experience she had where she joined a mastermind because she wanted to better leverage her coaching business to monetize it better and to have a better income from being a coach. Now she gets on her first mastermind call 
She has barely even described the type of coaching she does. And even before she even gets into her business model, people are saying, okay, well, we, we know the answer to your problem. You've got to stop doing coaching altogether. Uh, you should only be having three clients. You should be charging them $10,000 an hour. You've got to add a zero to all your prices and everybody else needs to be handled by junior coaches. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's okay. That's, that's the great way to get on top of the baller pyramid. Uh, on the other yeah. hand, she felt that they didn't even listen to her, that she was yeah. being given generic at a zero type advice or just outsource everything. And that wasn't yeah. quite what she was looking for. She was looking for a way to raise her prices to a level that was comfortable for both her and her clients. She knew she needed a substantial increase across the board and just needed a boost to get there. So she was on board with that, but just add a zero to it arbitrarily without even checking with the market and outsource mm. everybody and dump all your clients on what the other people were calling quote unquote junior coaches. Now here's yes. the thing, and this is what happens when it comes to ventures that move from the solopreneurial to the leverage. And I've been through this myself with businesses that I've had is yeah. the people who are used to dealing with the business owner or the founder and are informed that, okay, we're growing and we've now assigned you your own dedicated coach, or we're going to move you uh, to working one-on-one -on -one with a dedicated project manager or something like that. They will say, but, but I didn't hire a, a, I didn't hire a dedicated coach or a project manager. I hired you. I'm not working with your flunky. Yeah. So, Meanwhile, you're not necessarily being assigned to a flunky. You could actually be getting assigned or paired with somebody who's even better suited to handle you. So I think that yeah. this could go back to why some coaches stay broke. They get to the point where they can't do any more one-on-one -on -one sessions because they just don't have time on their calendar and they just don't have enough left in their brain or their energy sure, to do it. Sure, They're in the sure. process of getting their product done. They're in the process of figuring out how to do their one-to-many program, or they decide on a hybrid program where they're going to still work selectively with one-on-one -on -one clients because they love doing it. But at the same mm -hmm. time, they recognize they also need a leverage business. So yeah. when it comes to those transitions of getting from doing it all yourself, doing it all one-on-one, Yes. to building a cadre around you to help you serve your clients and get your clients enthusiastic about working with other people on your team. That is what I've seen from time to time. Yeah. Again, people struggling to do and then yes. others getting gun shy because they've seen others struggle with it. What do you have to say to them? Yeah, I, I, I've, got, I've got a couple of inputs there. I, I, I was kind of running alongside you as, as you were talking yes. there. And uh, I... I I get that. I think, you know, to get started, the best thing to do is to leverage your time from day one to educate your audience and yourself in the way of working that one-to-one -one, uh, has to be a VIP offering. It can't be your bread and butter. Right. And there's no better way to describe this and think of a concept uh, which I call proximity pricing. Nice bit of alliteration. Proximity pricing says the nearer they get to you, the more they have to pay. And this blows out of the water, the idea of one-to-one -one being how you get started. One-to-one -one should be a VIP offering. If you think in terms of a sort of product pyramid, a really simple product stack, the bottom of your product pyramid could be free value that you give in your group. Maybe the occasional download where you charge for a PDF bundle or something like that, or you, you do a paid workshop, you know, 37 bucks, 97 bucks, whatever. The middle of the pyramid then, where you might well generate most of your revenue and activity and impact, uh, is a group coaching program. This is where you corral people together, as we do on the CAB, all with the same problems and with the same goals and hopes and dreams in mind. And you work with them over a period. Our, our program is 12 weeks long. We're going to take four people into each cohort, into each intake, but we're leveraging our time. So when we deliver that, we're delivering one to four, one to a few. Now, at the top of this product pyramid, where people pay much more money for it, is your one-to-one -one stuff. The distance between you and them comes down to zero, and you're sitting with them in a, in a room, virtual or real, helping them on a customized basis with their business. Now, I'll tell you this, although we have 
dozens and dozens of clients in the CAB at any one time in the group coaching program. We have hundreds of people in our membership community at the bottom of the pyramid. I've only got two one-to-one clients right now. Wow. I don't want to take on any more than two because yeah. it's it's intense. It's emotionally draining. You know, it's involving. I've got to show up and, and you know, literally put my whole self into it. And the client expects that. But you know what? They pay 50 grand to work with me for 12 months. They pay 25 grand for six months. So it's worth taking a couple of those on just as the kind of icing on the cake, you know. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Proximity pricing, guys. Don't sell yourself into this way of working where you have to have one-to-one clients. You do not. And if you have a program, if you productize your services, it is not difficult to launch it from time to time with three, four, five, six, seven, eight people on board. Just get your pricing right, get your offer right, get really good at having conversations with people who, who you know you can help. And you'll fill those programs, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out. Like we have done. We've had a sold-out monthly intake every month since March 2018. And, you know, the business feels like a properly leveraged business that's scalable. Now, you, you mentioned kind of kind of what's next. And I like the idea of, you know, getting somebody else on to deliver these programs. After four years doing it, we've finally got to the stage now where I'm confident that uh, I know three or four people who could deliver the CAB program on our behalf. And we're just now setting up a training school for delivery coaches for the CAB. So, um, I think the lesson there is be very precious about who you who you squander your IP to um, because they'll ruin your reputation overnight if they're no good at it. So train them, you know, get to know them. Only only use people who you feel you can trust and who vibe with your values and your mission and all that kind of thing. But we, we will be doing that. Um, it's a three-stage process for, for growth for me. It's an ADA acronym. Probably haven't come across this, but ADA stands for Automate delegate, and then abdicate. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to say it out loud for everybody else. Automate, automate, yeah. delegate, abdicate. Yeah. Most people never get to the abdication stage. I think we're, right. we, we all understand that we should automate things which can be automated right. you know, without detriment to the client. That's a big tick, number one, isn't it? Lots of software in lots of different areas to do that. Delegate, we kind of get that, but most coaches are not very good at delegating because they don't actually know what they do themselves. <laughs> so yes. first step to delegating is making a big list of all the things you're doing and then work out what you don't need to do. Um, uh-huh. We're very good with our egos, aren't we? We say, oh, only I can do that. And that's that's almost always just a lie you've told yourself uh, just to make yourself feel better. Right. You know, m- most of what we do could be done by somebody else, probably even better. But the third bit, the abdicate, you know, automate, delegate, abdicate. Uh, it's something we rarely see in coaching as people just think, you know, I'm the anchor of this business. People want to see me. You know, I've got to be here. Well, th- that's really true, isn't it? You know, and if you can build something that can endure after you've decided you want to retire or even after you die, what a nice idea that would be that the business keeps going because uh, your values and your ethos and your legacy live on past the point where you you, you want to or can deliver it yourself. So I think that's a really cool way to do it. But you know what? It, it all starts, Adam, from this um, understanding that you you can't build a business around one-to-one relationships with clients. The caveat to that is, you know, the exception to that is if you are globally renowned. I don't know if you know a guy called Steve Hardison in Arizona. I have heard of the name, yes. Right. Steve Hardison's labeled himself after... I've got to say, you know, 30 years in the business, right? He's earned the right to do this. He's labeled himself as the world's leading executive coach. And if you go to his website, steveardison.com, he charges a million dollars to work with him for a year. Now, you'd do that one-to-one, wouldn't you? Why not? (laughs) It's it's worth it. Hey, uh, hey, no matter what level I'm at at life, no matter where I go, uh, even if I'm retired, if somebody wants to pay me a million dollars a year, to yep. meet them on to meet them on the phone, uh, you know, a f- every fortnight, every week, or even yeah. twice a week, or even once a week. Plus, they can text me whenever for a million dollars. I'll do one. You'll what do the it. Hell? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the caveat to the one-to-one. <clears throat> but the kind of one-to-one businesses that we're talking about, 
don't exist like that, do they? We're talking about no. coaches who are, who are charging $150 an hour, uh, you know, and getting people maybe for six sessions before they leave. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just going to take a drink of water so we may want to edit this, Adam. Oh, don't worry. Take a drink of water. We're just going to keep rolling. There we go. Yeah, so it's fascinating, isn't it? You know, one-to-one works if you have the chutzpah slash reputation slash market reach uh, to charge silly money for one-to-one. And, you know, for most of us, I guess, even a hundred grand, you know, would would be justification for for some kind of one to one relationship. Um, but you you get the idea, and that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about one to ones at you know market rates for most coaches and therapists. Um, it's not gonna it's not gonna build you a viable business that you can scale, and uh, therefore leveraging your time by corralling people together into some kind of course or membership thing uh is where that where the scaling comes from isn't it yeah so i have a few insights about this automate delegate abdicate uh let's start with thought let's start with automate this is something i have made a big deal of and i even devote an entire section of my own book to this automate Mm -hmm. and one of the simplest places to automate in my personal opinion i cannot believe that this is the year 2022 and i still have to tell people this is use a scheduling application oh to gosh. get people onto your calendar. I have I use OneTub myself, and we have and we pay a gob of money for this. Seven different booking forms, depending on which way they're coming in. <laughs> I the, I if somebody asks me, so Adam, when do you have time for a conversation? I'll say, I don't know. www.schedulewithadam.com. Put yourself in, and then yep. and, and in the future, don't even check with me. Just put yourself in. It even has a little field that has you tell me what it is you'd like to discuss. If this is one of the hundred calls where I just don't want to take the call, I'm a big boy. I can cancel it. And if I see it come in and I realize this call should have been an email, I'll send you an email and ask you if you still need the call. Just go ahead and book it. Just do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this is this is uh, just such basic stuff, and and, and yet we we have to keep on preaching about this. You know, yeah. Do you remember the old days, Adam, before all this? You'd be going, uh, you send them an email that says, uh, how about Tuesday at two? And they'd email you back and go, I can't do that. What about Thursday at four? I can't do Thursday at four. No, let's look at next week. This nonsense I've goes been, on for I've days. Been, I've been through that. I when days I worked when days. I when I worked in corporate, I was the direct report to somebody at the director level and he was attempting to coordinate a meeting between himself two other directors and two c-suiters and i will tell you that that meeting took a month to schedule and ended up up being booked for three months out yeah where all the time was lost was everybody's various assistants always checking their own boss's calendars and uh you know somebody would send the email how about thursday at two yeah. And then five minutes later, somebody says, sure, Thursday at two would be great. And then, oh, wait, oh, Thursday can't do that now. Just, got, just got booked. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then, this, is, and then this is the big thing. And this is the big thing. Some folks say that, well, having a scheduler, that's so impersonal. Uh, I'd no, never do that. That's so cold. No, actually, it's warm. And here's the reason why. Because yeah. you take away the human gatekeeper. So it actually... Yeah removes a barrier so now you don't have this middle person where you're dependent on their responsiveness their availability or possibly yeah. their unannounced baggage about one of the people involved in the transaction well that's the, the, all the, gone the, the polite way to 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 send you scheduling thing out is just say look pick, pick, pick any space that suits you and that's, that's nice and yeah. polite then, isn't it that, and, yeah, exactly pick the i say pick the nearest pick the nearest i say confirm the nearest mutually available time I'm watching for it to come in. Can't wait to see it. I can tell you that, yeah, I can tell you that literally the only time so far in the year 2022, I've had to have a human being intervene with my scheduling is to get you on this show. And the only, (laughs) and the only re and the only reason for that is you and I are eight hours apart time zone wise. And you were requesting times that I never allow anybody to book. So uh, well, I, I am so true. I'm so truly honored le- at him. Yeah. So she, yeah. So she left. So Tracy left <laughs> in on this one case 
to get you on. And that's like, Beautiful. thank you. That way we don't have to revise one sub for this. This is awesome. Okay. <laughs> now, go. delegate. Delegate. My thoughts on delegate. I'm the creator of the Podcast Reach System, which is a unique system for helping people launch your podcasts, their key networking, client attraction, celebrity expert branding tool. I designed it in such a way. But I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you just a t- couple tiny little pieces of the model here. The overall theme is that podcast reach is something that I can do entirely myself if I'm not in a position either cash flow wise or bandwidth wise to outsource it. On the other hand, when I'm in the places where I can or need to outsource it due to either time or volume and availability of funds, I have several people around me who I have given the podcast reach system to, and I've actually let them use it, play with it, and master it. So at any time I could put out, I could say, okay, I got two new reachers here and I'm a little backed up. I need uh, need a couple folks to put up the websites. Uh, who, uh, who wants to jump in on this one? Hands raised, I can outsource those pieces. So the point being is I designed it in such a way where I can do it, I can do it all myself and it's no major hardship. I can do it mostly myself and I have a designer with whom I have a shorthand where we can quickly make exactly what we need. And it's also the type of thing where when I'm able to outsource it or choose to outsource it, it's not the type of thing that requires an extremely high-level specialist. Yeah. And I keep people in my orbit who I've let sh- who I've shared the system with, who've played with it themselves, who already understand it and will know exactly where to jump in. So yeah. I've developed something that can kind of go either way. And it's all and it's also largely templatized, even though it I I do it bespoke for each client. Uh, a lot of the foundation of it is truly templatized and it's guided by a video course. Here's the thing that I share with folks. When I did the pilot program of our VIP for Podcast Reach, uh, when I started that about a year and a half ago, uh, my first cadre, my first graduating class, so to speak, I had been given the impression that, oh, VIPs, they're not going to, they're going to expect you to do a lot of calls with them and do handholding and walk them through every step of the process. So whatever you do, do not tell your VIPs that they're assigned to watch videos and show up at the next call with their answers. Right. I took that advice and I shouldn't have. And, and, and it's not a regret thing. It's a learning thing. It, I, all of those clients in that first class said, hey, by any chance, do you have a video course around this? Because it'd be so cool if you could just give me videos to watch and tell me stuff to do and I bring it to the call. It's like, yeah. well, son of a gun. So, and that goes back to what you said at the very beginning. One of the ways to create leverage is to productize what you're doing. So yeah. the coaching aspect of podcast reach is productized. And, all, and, yeah. all, and although I don't publicly sell the video course, if somebody wants it, I do have a mechanism set up. I can sell it to you right now. So I have that cover, I have that covered as well. So there, so there we have your delegate and also some of your automate. Now abdicate that. Is something I've discovered through time that yes, people will rebel if they're used to working directly with Johnny Cooper, and then he announces that he's built a team around him, and uh, you're now part of uh, of Coach Sheila's group, and she's going to be your one on one interface. So there are so there are ways to deal with that too. From my experience, I want to get your thoughts on them. One of which could be is that if you have people who've been working directly with Johnny all this time, and now Johnny is leveraged and he's brought on Sheila to handle 30% of the clients on a one-on-one basis, the model could shift to as part as a transitional step. You still meet with Johnny once a month for yeah. this type of session, but the rest of your weeklies and your and your 911 or 999 type availability will be handled by Sheila. Yeah. And you don't just dump them on Sheila either. You work her in over a course of 45 to 60 days where they get used to working with oh, her. Oh, so they see that Sheila is just as good as Johnny. And maybe in some ways, she's more of an ideal fit for the day-to-day stuff where Johnny is yeah. their person for the long-range strategic stuff, which is why you're meeting with him once a month. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. And it's a different use case for every business of course yeah. because uh, you know people are going to be attached to the owner uh, of the business in a greater or lesser extent and 
you know, th- th- there's going to be a, a greater or lesser requirement in, in businesses for the owner to, to, to be there. There might genuinely be some magic source that only the owner has, but it, right. it's quite it's quite unusual. That, and it's usually more ego driven than, than reality, isn't it? Um, but I'll say this, I, I have uh, a Sheila, she's actually called Lisa, in fact, <laughs> not mm-hmm. Sheila. And um, we've been working together for about 18 months now. And it, it's it's gratifying, really, that, uh, you know, she and I vibe so well together that some of the clients actually prefer working with her to working with me. And it just proves the point, you know, can I speak to Lisa, they'll say. And, um, you know, there really is no rational justification for anybody thinking only I can do this. You know, they only want to speak to me. Um, it, it's a very parochial mentality. And, you know, in other kinds of brick and mortar businesses, you see you see this kind of thing all the time. You know, I, I have a, a family friend who is a printer and he's, he's educated his whole client base to only talk to him about pricing come and see me, I'll do you the best deal, you know. But he's got a staff of 25 people, Adam. But none of his clients will speak to the staff because they think they're going to get a better deal from him. And that's just his own ego and stupidity, you might say. He's not going to be listening to this, so I can say that. It's his own stupidity, isn't it? He's painted himself into that corner. So, you know, it's quite easy not to do that. Just don't right. Do that. I also argue that people should delegate, you know, particularly delegate on their own terms. I yeah. here's the example that I share. You're told when you move into leverage business, you've got to outsource this. And if you're doing A, B, C, D, and E, you're not really leveraged, you're not really in business, and every other trope and truism out there. Yeah. So I tell people that I have I have a certified public accountant, a CPA, uh, who is also skilled at tax planning, not tax compliance, although he's good at the compliance stuff, but tax yes. planning which is key to entrepreneurial success when it comes to managing your cash flow. It's, it's different than just paying your taxes on time. Now, I do my own bookkeeping in terms of entering this stuff into QuickBooks. And people say, why the hell would you do that? Well, here's hmm. the thing. I don't do any of the accounting stuff. Uh, I have a broad range understanding of what my CPA does. I know yeah. what I'm signing when I sign it. I know what he's asking when he needs information from me. That's all well and good. But the reason I do the bookkeeping is because my business model in terms of financial transactions is actually quite light because it's a very simplified, essentialist, minimalist model. So it's not even a big deal for me to do this. But the real Mm -hmm. reason is because nothing gives me a perspective on where my money's coming and going than being hands-on that, in that direction. I get a perspective on that that I will yeah. never get from looking at pie charts. And yeah. when I go into the and when I go into the version of trance that it requires me to quickly, efficiently, and accurately enter a month's worth of bank st- statements in my QuickBooks, which only takes like 15 minutes, by the way. Yeah. That is the place where my inspirations about how to raise new cash flow come up. I do not want to miss out on that phase of my creativity. And up until now, I have not been able to generate that type of precision brilliance when it comes to thinking about my money through any other modality, not through working with a coach, not through doing spreadsheets, not through reading books, not through brainstorming. That particular activity gets me thinking about my money and where to Mm -hmm. find it in a way that nothing else can. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's a wonderful insight, and I think the other reason for not delegating something is if you really enjoy doing it. I don't. It, I don't enjoy. It gives you a I buzz. Do, you know? I do not enjoy bookkeeping. <laughs> what I enjoy. What I enjoy is how that part of my brain kicks in and yeah. gets me thinking about ways I can develop offers, products, services, outreach I can do, even languaging. For prospecting calls, is for some reason through that activity, all this stuff comes out like a volcano. Yeah, that's the yeah. Part no, that I, I, love. I, I get it. Yeah. I, you know, I think what's coming up from our from our discussion today is is that uh, you know de- delegation is 
is a thorny problem for for most businesses and yeah. um the the art of delegation you know is the subject of hundreds if not thousands of self-help books you know it's uh, it's oh, really yeah. important for firstly you know to you've got to do a self-audit before you delegate you know you've got to make a oh, list yes. of, of, of all the things that, that you do in your business and then you can get to see which of those could be delegated to somebody else. I've just got another thought on uh, on, on delegation, which is um, it's not impossible that somebody else will actually be able to do it better than you. And uh, depending on how egotistical you are, that can be a, a great revelation or it can be a, a, <laughs> an uncomfortable truth. But I, I have a VA who regularly does stuff better than i did when i was doing it you know i'll yeah. give her a jo- i'll give her a job and i'll say to Ariza, um th- this is how i've been doing it what do you think and she'll go well i'd do it like this i'd do this instead how about if we do that and you know that you, you start to think of people you're delegating to then as as team members people at least equally new uh equal to you in in so many ways and uh, that's brilliant when that happens because you, you start to build something that's greater than the sum of the parts then, don't you? Absolutely. I like to share the example of General George S. Patton from World War II. And he was famous for two things that were actually mutually contradictory. On the one hand, he was a stickler for uniforms. If he did an inspection of a unit and even one soldier that he inspected had a button that was off or what have you, that went directly on his on that soldier's commander service record yeah everybody's uniform had to be absolutely perfect and the reason for that is he felt there was no way that an army could move forward as a cohesive unit unless everybody was perfectly in uniform on the other hand he was also famed for the amount of latitude he gave his commanders in the field to make decisions without consulting him he set the goals for, like, well, we must take this hill. We must win this battle. We must gain yeah. this ground. We must hold this ground. But his, his cadre of commanders beneath him in the organizational chart had a greater amount of flexibility on how to do it than was commonly seen, particularly in that time, which when the whole command and control thing was a very big deal. His practical reason for that was as... The commander of an entire army group, he couldn't be there to make every decision. And there were often several battles running simultaneously. And this is, but he also discovered, and this was just through his own experience as a commander and also as one who had been commanded earlier on in his career, that when you clearly set goals for people and you let them know what it is you want them to do is you know, efficiently get this newsletter out on time or get us five new clients or make sure that such and such happens for the event in such a way. But then you give them the latitude on how to achieve it and the resources they need when they need them. They may astound you with what they come up with as far as ingenuity. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm absolutely sure. I'm absolutely sure. You know, scaling your business uh, can only be done. Um, by by building a team around you. Um, you. You can grow your business to some extent by working a bit harder and spending more hours at it. But scaling, as as distinct from growing, um, automatically suggests that you, you're building a team around you and you're multiplying your time, leveraging your time um, tenfold and then a hundredfold yep. with, uh, with other people. Um, yeah, I mean, years ago, I built a business with 200 staff and... Uh, it was certainly clear that some of those people were better at doing their job than I ever would be if I tried to do it myself. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. Let me uh, share another thing. Uh, I have a client who, uh, for years, has sent out his own weekly newsletter. He knows how to log into his into his CRM and uh, program the template, drop in his content, and hit send. And it's just something he enjoys doing. So more power to him. Now. He also has it set up so that the subject line of this newsletter that goes out every week starts with his name, and his name starts with the letter D. Now you know how it is when you are typing something on a on a you know, within a browser or within within a computer screen or like a website, for example. 
and you haven't cleared your cache and you go to a field you've used before and you type the first letter of something and it populates what you did last time. So he was used to the idea that he would just type the letter D. It would cause the previous subject line to come up. He'd click on it and then he'd change the part that comes after his name. Well, one time he sent out his newsletter and he forgot to click on the thing that came up and his subject line was, was a lowercase D. That was his entire subject line. And (laughs) now, you know, some organizations, the owner or whoever was in charge would absolutely flip out and there would be meetings and discussions and come to Jesus moments and new quality (laughs) controls and apologies sent out to the entire list. Oh my God, we sent you an email with an incorrect subject line. We're so sorry. We have such dedication to quality. This will never happen again. Yeah. And his and his thought about it was, hey, my open rates went up by seven percent. I got two new clients. Yes. So I so I had the same thing with a client that I was coaching, where they had this level of review and command and control. And what happened is, due to the business owner's own limited bandwidth, things would end up in a review queue and just keep getting stuck there. And then eventually. They would just look at it and say, well, I don't like it. Do it again or do something yeah. different. And I, and I, when I, they, they started out with me, I said, actually, no, because I'm not just going to simply throw pasta at the wall and see what sticks. You brought <laughs> me on board because you're looking to move from startup to revenue. And the fastest way to get you there is to get you out of some of these loops. The sooner that I can anticipate you, have a shorthand with you and know yeah. how you would approach a situation the faster you get out of these loops. So if you don't like the deliverables I'm giving to you, you've got to tell me what it is you don't like or give me examples of what you do like because that'll get us there a lot faster. Now, this person heard this message and found themselves very quickly getting to the point. And again, it comes back to their weekly newsletter where they were astounded that their weekly newsletter could go out every week error-free without them even having to have any involvement in it whatsoever. It was yeah. just a revelation to them that the weekly newsletter could happen in their business without them touching it. But yep, that's what happens when you have a team. Now, yeah. the funny thing happened with them is it was that same thing. It went out with an incorrect subject line due to that caching thing. Funny thing, same error. And and they and they started to revert back to those thing those behaviors before of well we're going to have to go back to reviewing this because we have to have quality and everybody in my industry is laughing at me. Well, the funny thing with them is they did get a couple of their colleagues who wrote to them about their subject line, but it wasn't to laugh at them or mock them. It was to say, it was to say okay, spill the beans. What's your tactic here? Uh, and how's this working? Did you get some new clients out of this? Mm. See, people think this way in the entrepreneurial space. They think that that error might've been strategic. And when I yeah. came up with, and this is something I want to leave our mutual listeners with is, and I, sh- and I shared this with that client. When I told that client the story about the lowercase d incident, I said that Statistically, when it comes to things like typos and subject lines, broken links and emails or things like that, statistically, you are far better off absorbing a couple errors per year than worrying about quality control. Now, if it gets to be every single edition is screwed up, then you may have to change the process of the person. But if it happens happens once or twice, yeah. yeah, if it happens once or twice, and I'll give you one more, I'll give you one more here. This is a different client. Now, this client uh, was in a joint venture with somebody to put on a a joint training program that was paid. Now, my client's side was responsible for putting up the website that would promote that event. So their web designer was working on it, and uh, their copywriter uh, had delivered the copy and everything. And the goal was to have this website up by, I'm going to make up a date, March 11th, hypothetically. And so they were on track to have that website up by March 11th. The domain had been purchased. Uh, and, you know, so they had the domain and everything. And everybody knew what the domain was going to be. On or about March 6th, the joint venture partner sent out an email telling people to register by going to that domain. And the domain hadn't even been DNSed over to the host yet. Right. 
and so now you had my client's team members saying, what the hell did this person do? And so they went to the JV partner. They said, we agreed that the website would not be up to the up until the 11th. And yet you sent, sent out this email with this URL. And the joint venture partner and the joint venture partner said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am absolutely confident that that website's going to be up on the 11th, and you're going to do a you're going to do a fabulous job. You're going to do a famous job. But I just didn't want to wait. And I figure if uh, anybody complains to you because the website isn't up yet, just send them to me, and I'll close them over the phone. So when you're worried about little mistakes or bumps in the road when it comes to delegation, use those examples." Well, that, 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 that is also um, a big block, you know, whilst we're on the topic of, you know, why be a broke coach forever, this uh, this search for perfection, which, of course, never exists. And yeah. uh, you used a military analogy earlier. I think it was a, wasn't it a Rommel uh, quote, uh, allegedly, where he said something like um, uh, an imperfect strategy executed with vigor and passion today will always beat a perfect strategy tomorrow. That might that might have been that might have been Erwin Rommel. I'm not really sure. Yeah. And, the, and the only and the only real quick, real quick point I want to make about because because I mentioned Patton and you're mentioning mentioning Rommel and they were on opposite mm. sides of battles. That's is right. is the, the funny thing about those two is although I don't think they ever met and they were on opposite sides, they were known for having profound respect for each other and having read each other's books. Yeah, right. How interesting. Yeah. How interesting. Go ahead. No, I, I I just really wanted to uh, you know wanted to bring that bring that into the topic of why you'll be a broke coach. You know, there's three key things about understanding what you do, who it's for, and how you deliver it, and then communicating that effectively to your chosen audience is just at the heart of success. And if you, if you do that, you, you've got a chance of building a business that you can you can scale uh, as as far as you want into the future. Absolutely. So. We are actually at the top of the time here, and I could speak with you for hours and hours and hours. And uh, yeah, you and I, and you, and you and I, will be talking so much more inside the joint inside the Johnny Hates Marketing Facebook group, which I do I encourage people to so. join. Which I do so. encourage people to join because I think it's fantastic. And I know that you have a little gift you want to share with our audience, and it actually is a great cheat sheet for the three really pillars is, of effortless marketing. So I'm going to say the URL uh, one yep. time, and I'm going to say it very slowly, and then I'm going to encourage people to go to the show notes on my website and get this. So, well, do, uh, do, do you know what, Adam? I've got, I've got an even better idea for, yes. for, for grabbing that. Yeah. Uh, wh- when you join, um, speaking with our listeners here, uh, when you join the Johnny Hates Marketing Facebook group, um, if you pop your email address in the entry questions, you will automatically get a copy of the three pillars of effortless marketing. Oh, perfect. That, that's, that's by far the best route because you also get to hang out in this uh, amazing community we've created as well, then, don't you? Yep. And I've got some great conversations in there. I know it's, uh, I don't, I, I'm not on Facebook a whole lot, but when I am on, I, as much as I can, make a point of checking out Johnny Hates Marketing just to see what's new mm. there. And I have jumped in a few times. We've had a few interesting chats. In fact, how you and I met. But I will, yeah, yeah, I will, yeah, I will, yeah, yeah, I will caution our listeners. Johnny is spelled J O N N Y. Sometimes you hear Johnny. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no H and there's no I E. It's J O N N Y. Johnny Hates Marketing. Find that Facebook group and get in it. Now, the, now, and, and, yeah, there is a link to the three pillars report. It's going to be on my website, but just join that group. Johnny Hates Marketing. That's the best place. That's that's all, all we need to do at this point, isn't it? Absolutely. And then, and, then, and then go from there. And there's a website, www.johnnyhatesmarketing.com, if you want to discover more about yeah. uh, about Johnny's uh, coaching and consulting offerings, including the Client Attraction Academy, the Client Attraction Blueprints. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff there. I encourage you to check it out as well. And uh, to me, that's about it. So Johnny Cooper, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an honor and believe me, an education. Fantastic! It's been been my absolute pleasure. I, I love uh, I love talking with you, Adam. And um, I, my my dearest wish is that uh, that some of your listeners will benefit from uh, the stuff we've been talking about today. Absolutely. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. 
Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.